Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Here comes the 0-2. Lift it deep to left field. No way. No way. Are you kidding me, Kinsey Hampton? She tied the game with a three-run bomb over the left field wall. Lose your mind, Sooner Nation. Kinsey Hampton makes it 7-7 in the top of the seventh inning on an 0-2 bomb to home run village. I just don't think that Oklahoma is going to be the team that hits 80 bajillion home runs. They may hit 50 bajillion, but I don't think they're going to be the big, bad Oklahoma Sooners that they've been. And they stay there, and they stay there, and they stay there. Man, we've gotten some run out of that one, haven't we? And it continues. Yeah, um, show announcements confirmed this morning. Jen Schroeder will be joining the show on Thursday, immediately Ooh. following the OU Stanford game. So, shh, don't tell her that we always play that uh, audio clip. No, we'll, oh, we'll I thought her. you were going to play her in with <laughs> it. <laughs> I may, I may do that, depending on how Thursday goes. Wow, man. Um, there's a lot of unexpected things that happen with this program. I, I guess you not unexpected. You expect them at this point, but. Down to your final strike for the second time. Down three with an 0-2 count. I mean, looking at it now, I can't say I'm surprised that OU figured out a way to win that game, but it didn't feel good in the moment. It did not feel good in the moment. That was about as epic as it gets. It did not feel good in the moment. Um, But I'm sure, like myself, there were plenty of Sooner fans out there that (sighs) – as um, as as bleak as it looked, still felt like eh, there's there's a yeah, sure. more than decent chance that something big happens here. You know, Am I, I'm not the only one that no, felt that I way, think right? Every, I think everyone thought that. It's just you also had some real nerves at the same time. Oh, like, yeah. okay, I've. I've seen them come back from some pretty tough spots twice this year, once against Texas and once in Oklahoma State. But this one felt – I guess this one felt a little bit different this time because you were down your final strike. Down three as opposed to down two the first time. But, dude, it's you – can't, you can't kill OU softball, man. It's inevitable. They're, they're always and, – and even though that game still had to go to the bottom of the seventh – I uh, I think we all knew that that game was over once Kinsey Hansen hit that three-run home run. At least I did. Well, felt very yeah. strongly that yeah, OU's winning this game. You don't you don't come back from that one. Well, the whole body language, which you could watch it, that center fielder for Clemson who played a really really good series. Uh, I think she had hit the, one of the home runs earlier for them. You know they they kept you know panning the camera turn. She's all smiles and bouncing around out there in the outfield they're one strike away and then they pan back to her later and the whole demeanor changed right as you can imagine whenever you've got someone on the ropes like that that's that good and you just can't capitalize you kind of know that the moment's passed right and i think you could you could you know 
tell how Clemson felt and tell how Sooners felt after that moment. Like, she was the exact converse of what Sooner fans felt when that ball traveled over the wall and we're now tied. Uh, okay, we're winning this thing. It's just a matter of uh, how long does it take. How did everyone else celebrate that home run? I'm curious to hear uh, what you have to say and what the text line, how they celebrated in the moment. Uh, my wife and daughter made fun of me because apparently I just sat there for four to five minutes after that and just said, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. I just can't believe that <laughs> happened. Uh, you know, just, just like so happy and, you know, surprised, all of that. I didn't really do a lap around the backyard or anything like that. What did, uh, what, what, what did you do in the moment? After that one was hit out, I really all I I think I did was just kind of chuckle, knowing that it's like it doesn't matter. Uh, whatever moment you, you feel like is there for for another team, and uh, I I don't know. Just you, you had the whole thing. What was interesting to me about it was the weight of the winning streak. Yeah, right. Because it, it's it's not as if they were playing for their tournament life. Right, they would fully be able to come back on Sunday, and with Jordy you know, Ball and a full day's rest, which you know, yeah, feel good about that, and feel good, and and I don't think anyone would feel like you would probably have some nerves coming into that thing, like oh my gosh, this whole season comes down to this one game at this point. How did we get here? But I don't think anyone felt like the season had a chance to be over. It was just the weight of that winning streak and being able to cap it off and and you know if, whether or not the team cares about that right now there'll be a point where they do right the fan base cared about about it it's it's a really really cool um you know but you won't uh, really like the, yeah you won't really i mean you know how special it is but it, it almost won't be celebrated like it should until after the season right. after you win the title sure, sure. yeah but it, with that's really what was kind of hanging over is like, dadgummit, this team deserved that. Felt like this was going to be, like, just the coolest moment to be able to, you know, um, send Marita Hinesfield off with a with an all-timer there to, to capture that winning streak. Like, that was the frustration hanging over it. Not that the season was over, but it ended up coming all the way back around to making that moment even more yeah. special than you thought it could be. And that's why I uh, had the take on social media in the Diamond Envy podcast. I think that was the greatest home game ever at Marina Hines Field. It was the last home game ever at Marina Hines Field. Patty Gasso's birthday gets you in the Women's College World Series, breaks the record, how the game unfolded. Barry Switzer eating peanut M&Ms in the outfield. <laughs> I know everyone saw that one, huh? Sitting next to Marita Hines. I think everything that went into Saturday, I think it's like I think it's the greatest home game that OU had ever played. Just everything in, into it, which is pretty cool right, for the being the last one. It's one of the uh, it's one of the best games period of any sport. Yeah. Well, when's right? the, when's the last time we've seen an OU game that was that memorable, that legit, that I. When's the last time you felt that happy about an OU game? OU Texas 2021? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it, it's When it's you barely beat Kansas and Lawrence in 2021 yes, and thought, oh, that's God, the one. didn't lose to KU. Thank God. That's the one. That's the winning streak that we were really ha- happy that, to continue is the Kansas winning Seriously. streak. Seriously. You know, no, I, I, don't, I don't know how – it's obviously different across different sports, like what some of those moments feel like, but – for a diamond sports moment 
I, that's got to be. I mean, you, you're Lauren talking about. Lauren Chamberlain hit a walk off against Tennessee to win the title in yes. what 2013. It's it's since then, I think. God, was it 13? Gosh, that feels like it was just yesterday. But yeah, there's it's it's if it's not number one, it's on the very very short list. Just an incredible moment. You know what's crazy too is OU's like seemingly OU's best moments offensively this past weekend came when Valerie Cagle was in the circle. Who yeah. might win Player of the Year? Like they hit the grand slam off of her on Friday, and then they hit the three-run homer to tie it off of her on on Saturday. You know, OU like she didn't start the game, which I was shocked right. at the time, and it looked like it was really setting up to be a brilliant decision by Clemson to have her, you know, with some decent rest going into that uh, game three that obviously we didn't get to. But yeah, OU hits. Uh, one of the, t- the top three finalists for player of the year, like, very well this weekend. Very well. Well, I think it's a terrible decision. Um, well, <laughs> you know you've got two opportunities to play Oklahoma. You don't know that you've got three. Uh, you better play your best player in the most important position as much as you can, right? Yeah. That would Especially be the when you give up back-to-back back home runs to start the game. That's, I think yeah. we, uh, at least I sat back and said, oh, yeah, yeah, don't want to start Kegel. Okay, we know how today's going to be. What would you think about uh, head coach Patty Gasso's decision to go with the freshmen there whenever they got into that, uh, okay. that bit of trouble? Yeah, so I, well, I think we talked about this Friday, even before the Saturday game. I don't think it was all that surprising to me because of the way that Kirsten Deal has pitched in the past month. Now, yeah. if you would have told me that that was the spot that they're going to be in for in the Super Regional, like two months ago you tell me that, I say, whoa, okay, I, that's an interesting decision. But not only was I not surprised, like Kirsten Deal to me like belongs in that spot. And what she gets in the game and she immediately issues a four-pitch walk, so that wasn't great. But after that, I thought she was pretty good. Um, yeah. She didn't allow an earned run. The runs that she did allow uh, weren't weren't hers that were on base. But she gave you, what, an inning and two-thirds in relief and was given the spot that she was in. Like, I, I, yeah, I I thought she performed pretty well. Yeah. Well, it turns out it was the perfect decision by Patty Gasso because uh, if she doesn't make that move, who knows what other moves she may make. But we don't have a a three-run homer down to our last strike um to try and uh, to try and come home with the the all-time winning streak right so it ended up playing out just the way we want it we got all the dramatics that we can oh, and handle. i think she's very happy with how this weekend play like i, I after the regional where they kind of cruised their way they didn't kind of they did cruise their way through the regional i don't think patty gasso hates that her team really got pushed in those two games yeah. especially the second one how about clemson though I don't know. Maybe I just lost it in all of the shuffle, but I was shocked to find out that that's a what just the fourth year of that program. I know, yeah. And I thought that they might lay down a little bit after that because the grand slam on Friday that was a pretty. It felt like it was a pretty crushing blow to them, and then they get down two nothing before they can blink the next day, and mm-hmm. they just kind of hung around, hung around, and and had a three run lead going the last inning. I was. Very impressed with them, and that felt like a team that's misseeded and probably should be playing in OKC this weekend. Yeah. They're good. I, I, I respect them quite a bit. Yeah. No, that's one of those that is um, questionable. 
which you know all of this comes back to the original seeding of the of the tournament which you know some people suggested there was some uh some poor placement of teams and it looks like that poor placement really worked out the way that <laughs> they thought it might as you get Alabama in um coming off of what was what somewhat of a disappointing year right and then now they make it into the final eight yeah so did that game stay on ESPN plus the entire time did it ever flip over to, to ESPN or ESPN 2 what, what a missed opportunity by the worldwide leader not to air that one nationally or at least you know, over that's the air a good TV. question. I can't, I can't remember where I saw it. Because we're game. talking about it being the best OU softball game in maybe 10 years, but, I mean, that's one of the better softball games that I've seen in about 10 years as well. Yeah. With everything no, that, that was, was on the wild. line. It was incredible. Uh, K-Dub and the 918 on the text line. I felt like I was watching the movie Major League. Tied it at <laughs> two on a two-run blast by Serrano equals Kenzie Hansen's bomb. Give me Vaughn. Bring it in Jordy Ball to, uh, in to finish the game. Uh, that's right. But I don't think Kinsey Hansen ran around the bases like uh, Pedro Serrano did after that home run. Boy, she should have. Carried the bat around. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, let's see. 918, that 16 spot was a joke. Clemson is easily a top 10 team, if not top 5. Yeah. Sean says, I leapt from my chair and screamed, Go, Ball, go! Hanson sprint around the bases is the only thing faster than my exit from the chair. Uh, that's great. That's great. Let me read a few more before we hit a break. 918, Cagle being up for player of the year and getting destroyed in Norman reminded me of Seneca Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Seneca wasn't a uh, a first down away from Seriously. getting out of there with the W. I don't know if he got a first down all day on that day in 2002. No uh, doubt. Doug Miles, the win streak might not be fully appreciated until it's over. And who knows when that will be. It could be this week or it could live on well into next season. Who says it has to be over? You know, does it ever have to end? You know? OU goes on a uh, 300-game winning streak in the SEC upon entering the conference. Yeah, sure. Why not? Patty Gasso's grandson is the one that uh, finally snaps the streak, the winless. Yeah, the loser that finally loses a game (laughs) uh, 30 years later. Well... Uh, um, I don't know how, how long it's going to go. Um, doesn't really, I don't know, the longer the better, obviously. But I feel like a, at least if you look at the last three or four years, some type of 40-game winning streak next season is uh, sure. is going to happen, apparently. That's pro- yes, that's probably going to happen. Eric from Illinois says, this is how spoiled softball has made me. I had the same reaction to K-9 as I did to Haley Lee's Grand Slam on Friday. Just flat, not shocked. We are spoiled. Yeah, you can still celebrate it, though, Eric. It's pretty good times when it happens. I, I, I celebrated both moments. Pretty it's amazing. It's funny because I'm telling you, I'm sitting there. There's What's the 0-2 count? And I'm not that I'm willing it to happen. I just kind of felt like it would you know and like i said i know i'm not alone in that and whenever she made contact it was just a chuckle of well that's gone there it is amazing there's no doubt as soon as she hit it right which in softball it can be hard to tell sometimes they look like you know pop-ups but you know the way it spins and carries 
you know, sometimes you're, you're surprised that it's a home run. But that one, do it instantly. Yeah. Uh, no Bob Stoops today. He is uh, hanging out in Italy. He's, nice. He's, he's over. I, well, I say he's in Italy. He's over in Europe somewhere. He was at the uh, number one leather store in Florence. He has a uh, leather guy. Do you have a leather guy? Like Coach oh Stoops? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a I've got a guy I call anytime I need some some top notch leather. Yeah, <laughs> which I can't think of the last time, but oh, it's all, good to have a guy. I think we all have a leather guy. Um, yeah. You sound you don't sound bad today. I thought that you were gonna sound like Selma from the Simpsons today, but. All in all, Give after the flu all week, you sound okay so far. Give it time. Yeah, I, I had it was awesome. You know, had the uh, the week off last week, and spent somewhere between eighty five and ninety five percent of it in bed oh, uh, on the verge of death with the flu. I lost fifteen pounds, Tyler. Nice. I'm jealous. Fifteen Sub- pounds. Ten, ten, your, your summer body's ready, thanks to the flu unbelievable i thought i was uh going to die but i'm back at least in some capacity i'm back hanging out newcastle casino today if i uh if i go into a fit of coughing just give me a couple of moments i'll be back hopefully well uh, alive on the other side he says a couple of moments it sounds like he means a couple of minutes like uh 120 seconds for how bad it's Uh been so hey Uh this is uh the second time this year where you've taken Around a week off and didn't actually go anywhere on vacation, right? So it's amazing congrats. how that always happens, isn't it? <laughs> it's great to be back. All right, let's hit an opening timeout. Keep hitting the text line six five one three four three nine. We'll be back. Sports Radio Network. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, Kenneth Meyer, Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439. I'll uh, try and keep up as much as I can on Twitter throughout the show today to see if anything else comes out of the SEC meetings in Destin. But what it sounds like right now, Teddy, is, well, ESPN doesn't want to pony up for that ninth SEC game, so I don't know. It could be a year or two more of us just playing eight SEC games and four non-con games. Seems like yeah. um, at least the majority of coaches are in favor of the nine game. The commissioner is in favor of the nine game. Maybe some coaches in the SEC are in favor of, of eight, but I don't. I don't know if they're going to budge unless ESPN does at this point. Budge on what? On moving to nine uh, league games in 2024, as opposed to the eight they're at right now. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It seems. Uh, I don't know. Absurd maybe is a bit strong, but the nine-game conference schedule seems to fit exactly what everyone would want, um, which sometimes when it fits what pretty much everyone wants, specifically the fans, uh, maybe that's not enough. But I... I don't know. I refuse to believe any of the talking points whenever they're saying, like, the eight-game conference slate is is gaining steam or gaining momentum. No, it's not. The only way it's gaining any momentum is that the powers that be see it as an opportunity to leverage ESPN for more money. And 
I, I don't know why ESPN wouldn't want it. I, at the end of the day, what what a lot of this conference uh, navigation and, and what everything is really moving towards is better inventory, better football games, and nine conference games for each individual school as opposed to eight and four non-conference gives you way better inventory. Yeah, not even I don't want to hear any crap about people being worried about rescheduling non-conference games. Who cares? That's the easiest thing in the world to deal with. Well, OU's going to have to schedule two more non-conference games in 2024, their first year in the SEC, if they're going to play eight. They only have two scheduled right now, Temple and Tulane. I don't know yeah. who – I don't know um, – who, who they could get or if they've already scheduled one Kansas and we don't State know about and Baylor. it. Kansas State and Baylor. All right. Do another uh, tour of the Big 12. That'd be great. I don't know. I still feel like we haven't heard much from it, but the early exit, whenever all that was going on, there was a lot of talk about um, future inventory against Big 12 teams whenever they moved to the SEC, right? And that hasn't popped back up again. I don't know if that whole thing was a dead talking point or what, but I still wonder if it's if it's there floating around at some point. Kirby Smart hates this discussion, by the way. Um, the SEC scheduling debate, eight versus nine games. Quote, of course he does. Most overrated conversation there ever was. End quote. <laughs> well, he hates Kirby. the conversation because, um, you know, they've had a nice little run of it. They haven't played, not that it's like the the hardest place to play, but, you know, it just shows how bad SEC scheduling has been that they haven't played in College Station in over a decade. Yep. So, of course he doesn't like the conversation. Yeah, he gets to, uh, we'll see what happens to Florida in the next few years, but that would be probably his one permanent opponent every single season if they go to the 1-7 uh, model. Not be playing Tennessee every single year, like yeah, he'll probably. Who loves this that. is Texas and Texas A and M. They'll have to play each other. Well, I, they could in that first year, but they'd only play each other twice every four years. Which right. yes, correct. Yeah. Which again, ridiculous. All of it's ridiculous. But uh, what do I care? Eight conference games now. Well, here's I, the I, one thing about Oklahoma. I do care, real quick. Um, if it's eight conference games, um, that could mean that you have a year. It probably would mean that you have at least one year where you only have three SEC home games. Now, three SEC home games is still better than four or five Big Twelve home games in my book, yeah. but it's not as exciting probably as we initially thought it was going to be. Year one, that's the case. Well, and that's what I was going to say is. You know, because of the way our schedule is, and, and we've got the neutral site game in Dallas, that if you had the four non-conference games, most likely it helps you get an extra home game every year. Yep. So, I, oh, I don't think there's most likely. I think that that would definitely happen. You're getting at least one more home. It may not be a great opponent, but that's millions of dollars of revenue coming in. That's Yeah, that's what that looks like. So, and, and I guess that – leads to an interesting question is even though as a consumer like I won a nine game SEC schedule that's where the ex the excitement for me is at over the eight what's best for OU though in 2024 is it to play an eight game SEC schedule or is it to play a nine game SEC schedule or does it not really well, matter 
I, it's, it's hard to answer that question because I can give you an eight-game SEC schedule that's a hell of a lot more difficult than a nine-game SEC schedule. Yeah. It just depends who happens to fall on, on the, the schedule for that year, you know? Well, yeah, I, if the three permanent opponents are Texas, Missouri, and Florida, and Florida is about as good in two years as they were last year, and same thing for Missouri, then, yeah, you can come up with an eight-game SEC schedule that's more difficult. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's, it's a very relevant I, – I think for Oklahoma it means far less than it does for most schools because as of right now, we only have one permanent opponent that we really care about. Right, and that's the OU Texas game. Correct. So, when we look at the eight-game conference schedule, where you just have the one um, guaranteed uh, rivalry game, then it it fits our current situation. But there's a most other schools in the SEC, it doesn't fit their current situation. So, I I don't know for Oklahoma, I. I would prefer the nine games with the three with the three permanent, but I guess I'm not I'm not tied to it. But I could see how some other schools. So you're are talking about like the second, like the Georgia Auburn, Georgia Tennessee. You won't play that every single year. Like the, that's what you're talking right. about when you're talking about the eight game schedule, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. and like Alabama's got I don't know how many rivalry games Tennessee, that they got. Tennessee would be their big one that gets left out, which is a pretty historic rivalry out there, yeah. at least in their eyes. Which is wild. I mean, you consider, you know, there's been a lot of years where I'm sure that game has been a dud. But right whenever it gets cooking and you got both programs that are in really good positions, you're going to start playing it where it's not every year. That seems frustrating. As, you know, last year gave us one of the best moments of college football of the last decade. Yeah. Uh, let me read some text here. Chris Murphy was on Feinbaum earlier and said there were seven votes for the nine-game schedule, and he thought he could get the eighth one needed for it to pass. Okay? I don't know who huh. Chris Murphy is, but sounds good. Patrick says Kirby also wants Florida Georgia to have home and home, correct, but that's not going to be the case for the next two years. Uh, 405, hard to believe the SEC on a macro level wouldn't want Texas and Texas A&M playing on a permanent basis, as well as others like Florida and Tennessee. Yeah, I I agree with that point. And again, I don't know that there's any group of people that don't want it to happen outside of the people that feel like they can leverage it for more money from ESPN which I think is a, a really good thought. If you're ESPN, like if I was ESPN, I'd, I'd willingly pay more money to get more, to get better games. Yeah, of course. I mean, Alabama Citadel versus Alabama Tennessee, who, what would you rather have? Um, well, there have been some years where I'd rather want Alabama Citadel. However, right, right. now I would rather have Alabama Tennessee. Tennessee's pretty good again. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess I don't know all the ins and outs. Um, money yeah, is you, usually the you, – the... you, you basically get the idea, though. Maybe not – but we, we kind of we, – we know what this, what's going on really here. But I always know that something's up 
whenever I start to see the and this the same exact thing happens in politics. Whenever you start start to see storylines hit the hit the news waves that really don't make any sense, like whenever a, a journalist writes an article that says there's a bunch of momentum all of a sudden for this thing, whenever you know intuitively that there's no n- momentum for that thing. Nobody wants that thing. There's something happening behind the scenes, right? And there's there's a group of people that are maneuvering for money, for whatever it may be. And that's whenever I knew this whole thing, something weird was going on when I started to see the the articles hitting the lines out there about how much momentum is building for an eight-game conference slate instead of a nine-game conference slate because that momentum does not exist. Yeah. Guy says, thought I liked nine, but some years for OU, you would have four home, five on the road, one of the home games being Texas. So we end up with three true home games, five on the road, one neutral side. That's kind of crap. Yeah, I mean, but there would be some years with the eight team where you'd have three true home yeah. games as well. So That's what I was about to say is, well, uh, that doesn't change under an eight game schedule as long as you still have that neutral game with Texas. But I don't know if it would work out that way. Maybe they would um, configure it to where you like when you have the five road games that year. That's the that's the that's the year that you're the away team in the Cotton Bowl. You know what I mean? They yeah, may, may I don't maneuver that to where you always have four home SEC games for OU and Texas. It would seem strange that it would work out for a year with nine conference games where you would only have three home games. Yeah, I wouldn't think that that's going to happen. I don't either. Will anyone sign off on one permanent opponent when someone gets Vandy? Yeah, I'm sure Tennessee will race to that one. Tennessee may be all about that one. I think Tennessee has um, other rivals, but I was thinking about it today. Tell me what you think about this in the uh, 1-7 format real quick for each team. OU would play Texas. Texas would play OU. Auburn would play Bama. Uh, Alabama would play Auburn. Arkansas would play Missouri. Missouri would play Arkansas. LSU would play A&M. Of course, A&M plays LSU. You'd have the Egg Bowl between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. You'd have Georgia and Florida play. Tennessee and Vandy and South Carolina and Kentucky. That sound right? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Does that sound good to most of those other schools? Um, probably sounds pretty good to Tennessee, Vanderbilt every year. Yeah. I, it does, uh, I guess. I mean, the good thing about it is supposedly you're going to get the rotational schedule to where you play everyone home and away uh, every four years, right? Correct, yes. Yep. So – I, if that's really what we're going to get, then I think the permanent opponent matters much less than if they're going to continue to do the crap that they've done recently to where the schedules are massively different between uh, member institutions. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Keep hitting the text on 651-3439. We'll be back. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is The Ref.
Victory Family Church. It's more than just a church. It's truly a family. And as it continues to grow, you can now celebrate with... If no, then you need to be banking at Valiance Bank, where we value our banking relationships and ensure that our customers know they can reach us anytime. Valiance Bank is a true community bank that's locally owned and committed to your success. Come see us at 1501 24th Avenue Northwest here in Norman or visit us online at v.bank. The Rush on the Ref, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, KREF.com. Go check out the Ref Store. We just have some new uh, T-shirts that we uh, uploaded today. We've got some Ref Army shirts there. Got a, a few new OU softball shirts. Softball is live shirts. Wind Streak University shirts. No Fly Zone shirts up there. Uh, KREF.com, KREF.com. Go to the uh, Ref Store you can check out uh, all the new T-shirts that we have up there, which are uh, which are pretty cool. By the way, 100 days since OU softball last lost a game. Not too really? bad. Really? 100 days today, last time okay. OU softball lost. That was uh, now. I'm sure you've done the arithmetic. Um, if the Sooners were to not take a loss throughout the uh, World Series, what's the uh, what's the final tally that they could get to this season? Oh, I actually haven't done you just in number of days or number of games. Games. Um, okay, let me think on the fly. I think they can go five and zero and win it. Three really? straight three straight wins will get you into the championship series. And then two more in the championship series. Huh. So what's okay. that? 50, uh, 53, I guess, right? Fifty three? Yeah. I I, that seems like a very small amount of games, but I. Well, I mean, if you just win all the way through, right? I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's easier said than done. They haven't sure. done that in a while. I, so, but yeah, you just keep winning, and I think if you just keep winning, you get a day off. Because if they win Thursday, they don't play until Saturday. I think if they win Saturday, they don't play until Monday. If you win that when you're in the championship series, I think. I think that's okay. how it works. Yeah. Nice. And didn't they? Didn't they extend this thing? Yeah, it used to be a, a really, couple of years ag- yeah. ago. There was a frustration that teams had to had a bunch of games piled on top of one another, uh, and and it had to be in, like any type of weather that came through made it even worse. And this is thunderstorm season, so it feels like it's been expanded a little bit. Yeah, uh, from the nine one eight on the text line, nine games would mean OU would have four home games, four road games, and one neutral site game every year. That's the way that I understood it, too. That's, yeah. That's correct. Uh, 405, welcome back, recovering, Ted. Hope the Layman clan is okay as well. Question, at one point, do we make the argument that Patty Gasso was the best coach ever at OU, uh, you know, regardless of sports, basically? Sure. I'll make the argument right right now. Uh, I proclaim Patty Gasso is the best coach in Oklahoma at any sport. That uh, easy, talk huh? amongst yourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's at least on the table, is it not? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's on the table. I think it's, she didn't have a statue like some other coaches around here, but she well, will. she's going to. She's going to, and, yeah, I think she is. Like, <laughs> I, she, it's been 23 years in between national championships. Won her first one in 2000. The level of consistency all the way through, the dominance now. I mean, the, the wins. I mean, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, um, all that being said, I think that uh, right there, 
knocking on the door, if not there already. And I, I don't think you're going to hear anyone in the fan base argue it, right? Like to say that there's, there may have uh, a different opinion as to who exactly is the best, but no one's going to argue that she's not. In no, the her, her very most, short conversation. Her most dominant years have come when the sport has been as competitive as it's ever been. Yeah, and she's really led the way in growing the sport to where it is now and where it eventually yeah. will get to. Even you know, in, in several more years down the road. I mean, for for every for every reason, I think she's the greatest that's ever done it here, and she's it's not done winning titles either. And I could be wrong about this, but I think the sport really took off. When you started to get some star players, because it was so pitcher-driven for so long, right, that you had a star pitcher who threw every inning of every game, and whoever had the best star pitcher would have the best opportunity to win the championship. And then you started to have some, some other players like Lauren Chamberlain, with the amount of home runs that she hit and the offense that started taking place that really, I feel like, changed the sport. It did. And I've, it seems like Oklahoma's been on the cutting edge of yeah, that. Yeah, because you still see slap hitters, um, mm-hmm. and you see you know players that'll bunt. Like Riley Boone had a great bunt this weekend, right? So you still have those yeah. players, but you're right. It's more of a power-driven game in the past five to eight or five to ten years ago than it's ever been. And yeah. I think, yeah, that's helped enhance the sport even more is that the home run has always been so exciting in baseball. Well, now softball has that as well. And when you watch yep. OU, it has about four or five of those a game. So it has every exciting element that baseball had for all those years. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been fascinating to watch. And I think the growth of the sport is still just going to continue. Even though you're, you've got your um, – your growing group of Oklahoma haters out there that hate the dynasty. And, you know, the same argument was made with UConn basketball for a long time. And um, I, I can understand as a, a fan of a sport how it can become uh, maybe a little bit tiresome whenever one team has a stranglehold over the, over the, the championship. But – in short time, it ends up making everyone way better because the links that everyone has to go to chase down the number one team, I, as soon as there's a slip-up, as soon as things change a little bit for that number one team, well, all of a sudden you're left with a thriving marketplace of teams out there that have had to fight and scrap and claw and find whatever edge they can uh, with their roster to, to be competitive, now all of a sudden, you know, they're starting to get more players, and I think the, the competitiveness of the sport overall just really blooms. I think Arizona's living that right now. Uh, it was Arizona and UCLA for so many yeah. years, and UCLA, I mean, I, I know they didn't win a game in a regional this year, but they're still, you know, one of the top programs out there. Arizona's dropped off after the past couple of years. So, to, yeah. to, and, and what's cool about Saturday, too, is – you know, if you've been an OU fan your entire life, there's definitely moments where you'll never forget where you were at once this moment happens. Um, OU softball has really started to create those moments. Like Kenzie Hansen's home run on Saturday, at least for me, 
but I also think for a lot of other people, that's one of those OU fan moments where you'll probably always remember where you were at when Kenzie Hansen tied it with an 0-2 count. That's how monumental that moment was for me. Well, I'll definitely remember. I'll tell you why. Because most of those other moments are somewhat the same where I've been in the backyard at the pool with the neighborhood over basically cold beverage in hand as those moments have unfolded. It's just the kind of, it's the time of the year. However, this time I was on the couch sick as hell. So well, I will uh, I'll remember that for sure. We need you to do that again this weekend and on next week if that's okay. Can you get sick again later this week? Need you to be well, deathly ill for the uh, for the World Series. I don't think it's uh, again thing. I think it's this illness is just going to continue. Okay, good. Through good to the hear. Summer. I feel good about winning another title now. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number one next. Talking sooner football is what we do. This is the ref. Coach Stoops here for Van Hoos Fence. If you want to work with the best local fence company and get champion, by leaving your grass clippings in the street. For more information, visit bit.ly forward slash Norman Stormwater. Cavens Group bringing you this hour of the rush. Check them out, cavensgroup.com, especially if you have an emergency repair or storm damage, cavensgroup.com. Text line says, okay, hear me out. The Kinsey Hansen walk off to tie the game was insane but I giggled like a child when I watched Texas give up an inside-the-park Grand Slam. That was good. To Tennessee. That was that was great. I saw that. It happens quick in softball. It does. You, you, let a, uh, you let a ground ball go through your legs in the outfield in softball, it's game over pretty quick. Do you think OU could win 48 consecutive games in softball if they had a first baseman on stilts like the uh, Savannah Bananas did this weekend? Yeah. They kind of did have a first baseman on stilts there for a period there in the seventh inning when she went into the dugout, <laughs> right? Seriously, yeah. That, uh, I, I, I didn't go to it. I, that's the uh, one thing I'm bummed about, you being sick. You didn't get to yep. watch old Bill Spaceman Lee. I know. You know. Did not get to go to the Savannah uh, Bananas. My son did get to go. Um, my sister stepped in as an awesome aunt and took him. They had a great time. They do a really good job That's something that, next time they're in town. And uh, hopefully I won't need to spend 400 bucks to get in the place. But I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to do that. I had some friends that went to that. Maybe they got a little too hammered and were singing uh, Yellow by Coldplay a little bit Perfect. too loud. You know, you know who you are on that one. Um, but, dude, that looks like it is an awesome event. Oh. It is. They do some really unique things. Uh, we were able to watch the live stream a little bit while they were there. And it's fun, man. It's, it, takes it, uh, it takes it baseball to a... A different level, party atmosphere, singing along, dancing. It's up up tempo. There's a lot happening really quickly. Uh, perfect for kids of all ages. Parents get along with it too. So they do a great job. And that thing is sold out everywhere it goes. Oh, there was people in the uh, – I remember as a kid going to, like, uh, Big 12 tournament games in Bricktown. There would always yeah. be people out there at the parking garage or when Bedlam used to be played out there. Uh, it looked like there were some people hanging out in the parking garage. Watching they were that talking on about night. it on the live stream like, hey, there's people out there watching this game for free. What's <laughs> going on here? Pretty good. All right, quick timeout. Hour number two of the rush coming up next here from Newcastle. Fourteen hundred a.m.